Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. To learn more about Anchor Church, go to www.anchorchurch.life. Today's message, for the love of the game. For the love of, we're continuing this series today, and I'm excited about this because I want to share just a little bit about what we just read on there, and uh, it's kind of a famous story, but we're going to get into that in a minute, but um, for the love of the game, and I was thinking about what is, what is the game? I know that's a saying, you know, people will say, you know, I just, I'm, I'm in it for the love of the game, um, I'm doing it for the love of the game. My, uh, one of my, my favorite basketball players from back in the day, the answer, AI, would say, Practice? Talking about practice? Not a game, but but practice. And what I—if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. Um, But the 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 focus on the idea of of what the what what the game is. And for many people, the game is 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 a game. It's for the sport. Uh, There's a lot of love for basketball. So and and Allen Iverson played for uh, the Philadelphia 76ers among some other teams, but. Um, he was talking about the game of basketball. And people will say, I, I'm doing it for the love of the game. I, this is my focus. My focus is the game. And, uh, and in that quote, you know, practice, we're talking about practice. He was challenged on something, and he, it was about, you know, a practice that he missed. And, and, he, and they were making a big deal about practice, but it was the game that he was focused on, right? And so um, the idea is for the love of the game, what does that actually mean? And in the context of what we're talking about today, for the love of the game is this. It, it is basically just your calling. Um, sometimes I think we get our calling and, and gifts that we have confused. And so today I want to talk about how we are called to be a part of something very, very special. And sometimes we get confused with our own gifts and our own abilities and our own desires Right to be able to participate in the game, but what it is that we need to be focusing on is is our calling. And so, I, I think about it like this: for me, football has been a, a favorite since I was a kid. I grew up loving football. Uh, we did a whole series last month for the whole tailgate. Was series was based on the theme of football, and and so I got to share a little bit about that. I was up here on my football pads from high school and stuff, and and I got to share some of that with you. Uh, but it, it is something that I absolutely love. I love the game. And um, through high school, I played football. I, I, I was really into football even before I could play it. I played it, you know, just leisurely in, in college and, um, and, and have been, has been focused on the game for a long time. And when I was in college, I was a public relations major. That was my, that's what the degree that I have from the University of Florida is in public relations. And so my dream job was to be a communications director for specifically the Denver Broncos. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be a public relations specialist for the Denver Broncos. That was my dream job. And so I did all these different things to try to achieve that job. I I interned and and had um, internships with with minor league baseball teams, with a minor league football team. Um, I interned with the Florida Gators when they were on their national championship run and and helped out within the, the sports information department. And uh, because I, what I saw ahead of me was a guy that graduated, I think, a year and a half ahead of me 
that got all this experience at the University of Florida from the same program that I was in. He graduated with the same degree that I graduated with, and he got a job with the Denver Broncos. I mean, he got my, he got my dream job. And he got an entry-level public relations job with the Denver Broncos, full-on job, not just like an internship or anything. And, uh, and I looked at that, and I thought, man, what I aspire to be, what I want for my love, for the love of the game, that, that he got what I wanted. It is possible. So I'm going to keep doing I'm going to look at what he did, and I'm going to keep pursuing that. And so I kept trying, and I, I, I really loaded my schedule up with a bunch of internships. Everything that I just mentioned internship-wise happened within a, like a year and a half versus you know, four, five, six years plus of really getting some experience within the industry. And uh, it was a back end trying to get as much experience as possible. And, uh, and when, I, when I started to get involved with the Florida Gators, when I started to get involved with the minor league baseball team and, and, and the football team, uh, I started to realize that I didn't, I didn't love, I loved the game, but I didn't love what I was trying to do to be a part of it. I was pursuing, I was basically pursuing somebody else's dream, somebody else's uh, gift. Like I, I, I love the game, but, but the gifts that I had, I, I didn't necessarily love what I was doing. It wasn't my calling. And, and I, I learned that uh, pretty early on. I think one time after a football game, I had an all-access pass. Like the pass that I had for the Florida Gators got me anywhere. You know, I, I was supposed to go into the visiting locker room after every home game and get quotes, you know, hand, hold the tape recorder up in front of the players and, and ask them questions and interview them and, and then take what I, what I recorded and then go transcribe that into quotes so that the local newspapers and other people could use the quotes that I, that I got into their newspaper articles. So they had to be accurate, they had to be you know, spot on, they had to be good questions, had to be good quotes and different things. And, and, um, but before I got to go into the visiting locker room, I had an all access pass. So I, what I would do is I would leave the score box or the press box early and I would go down to the field because you know it was all access, so why not, right? So I'd go down onto the field and I'd high five the players when they were coming off the field. I got real smart and started wearing khaki pants like the football coaches. And I bought the exact same polo that the, the football coaches had, and I tucked it in with a belt, and I looked all official with my, with my, with my tag hanging down. Uh, instead of, like a lot of the other guys that I was around would wear T-shirts and shorts, I, I looked real official. And so I'd go down there, and I was high-fiving all the players when they were coming off. And I remember one time Tebow came off, and was, you know, he high-fived me, and it was different. You know, it was a fun game. Actually, I don't know if any of you are Florida fans, but the game where he threw the, the jump pass against LSU, that was, that was the game that I specifically remember, and um, it, was a, it was a memorable game, but that was the one I was on the field for at the end. And <clears throat> I remember some, some girls that I was in class with were super excited about going to that game and high-fiving you know, the different players that came around. You know, they were in their stands, and they, and, and they got a high-five from Tebow, and they were so excited, and they were just pumped about just the opportunity that, that Tebow just grazed their fingertips. And, and, and I was like, ah, you know, no big deal. I was on the field, you know, and, and at that point, I realized, you know, this, this love that I have for the game, I was, I lost it a little bit because I, what I used to experience, what they were experiencing, the idea that, that they got the high five from the football player, I thought, you know, that's no big deal, and I thought, man, that's what I want, and I started to look at what it would take to be what I was going to be. Uh, as a public relations professional working with a team and it was a way and I wanted to be a family man. I wanted to have kids and wanted to be around my kids and, and, and I just did not see that actually happening and it being possible with that position. 
And I recognized at that moment that just because I have this gift or I have this love for the game doesn't necessarily mean that that's my calling, right? And I think that sometimes we get a love of something and the fact that we have gifts in something confused with a calling that we may have. And so what I want to do is I want to I I focus in on that. I want to press in on that with you a little bit today for you to distinguish the difference between a gift and a calling and, and maybe even the love of something and a calling because sometimes Jesus will rip you away from something that you love for what he's called you to do. And he may take you from something that you didn't think that, you know, this is what you wanted, but God has wanted something different from you because that's your calling. And, and one of the hardest things is when we look at ourselves, when we look at who we are, I mean, we're, we are selfish individuals. I mean, I don't know about you, <laughs> but I'm pretty selfish. I, I, like me, I like me some me, you know? As the famous, I think Terrell Owens used to say that. That's another football reference, but he said, I, I like me some me. And, um, and that's kind of how we are. And if we can remove ourselves from that, if we can John 3.30 that, if we can make more of him and less of us, which is really kind of what I, I've challenged you this year to, to take on, is for it to be less of you and more of him, then, I, then this is what we're gonna do today. And I, it's gonna be interesting because I've, I've, I've read and I've taught this so many times, and I've got a new perspective on some of, of, of this scripture here that I wanna walk you through. But before we do that, I wanna pray, and then we're gonna read through some of this, and I'm gonna do my best to, to, to share with what, I, what, I, what I'm seeing here today. Father, I, I pray today that you would challenge us in different ways, but Lord, I pray that you would help us realize maybe there's different areas in our life that we are gifted, and there's different ways that, that you are calling us. And, and it, it may be the same, and it may be completely different. So Lord, I, today, I pray that you would help us see a famous story in a new light and be able to recognize maybe where we are in this story and and challenge us in ways that when we walk out here today that we would have a fresh perspective on who we are and what you have called us to do. Lord, I, I pray that you would just challenge us this morning and teach us. We love you and in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So just the other day, on Friday, I got the opportunity to share a, uh, a devotion with uh, my brother-in-law's company. They, ha- they do a Friday devotion on, uh, in the mornings, and he asked me to come and do a devotional. And, um, and I-, I shared uh, the feeding of the 5,000 with them. And um, I-, I love this story, and, uh, and, I- and I highlighted a couple different things that we see within the context of that. And, uh, and I'm going to start with that today. I'm not going to share what I shared with them on Friday. That's, that's for another day. Um, really cool stuff. But to get us full perspective and full context of what's happening here when, when, when Jesus walks on water, we, we got to start there. All right. So in, in, in Matthew chapter 14, <clears throat> and then we could even go further, the whole chapter. I, we don't have time to go through the whole chapter 14, but this, this whole concept of, and I'll get into that here in a second, but you know, let's start with um, verse 13. I think we have it on the screen and you can read along with me. And it says, when Jesus heard about it, and I need to tell you what he heard about. He heard about the beheading of, of John the Baptist. Um, uh, not an easy thing to, to, to hear, right? Um, but uh, he heard about the beheading of John the Baptist. You can read a little bit about that because it kind of goes into detail about how that happened, which we don't need to get in. You know, when they say bring your head on a silver, silver platter, that's basically what happened. Um, but 
But when Jesus heard about it, he withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone, right? He needed some time to be by himself. And sometimes I think that that's kind of the case that, that we find ourselves in. When we go through something that's very challenging and we go through a hard time, uh, anybody with me on that? Like, like, you know, hey, I just need to be alone. I need some time just to be by myself for a minute, just to kind of gather my thoughts. And that's kind of where Jesus was in this time. He, he withdrew from, 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 from the place that they were at. And, um, and he was out on this boat in, in a remote place to be alone. And when the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the town. So they could see Jesus out on this boat um, it, it, all by himself, but they knew who Jesus was and people were knowing him as, as, as this great teacher, as this one that was doing some miraculous things. He was doing some healings. So people wanted to be around him. They were drawn to him. They wanted to be close to him. They wanted to hear what he had to say. And so this is what was happening. And, and we see that in verse 13. Verse 14 says, that as he stepped ashore, he saw a huge crowd and he felt compassion for them and healed their sick. So he, he got to the shore and there was tons of people there and they were all around and, 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 and people were coming to him with all these different things that they've got going on. And, and so he started healing and was, was helping them. We don't know how long he was spending there, how, what that looked like or how many people he touched and was, you know, had compassion on, but we know that it had to have been a lot of people. And then when evening came, that means like there was some time that passed here. The disciples approached him and said, listen, Jesus, you know, hey, you've been talking a long time, man. We got to get out of here because there's a lot of people here and there's no food. All right. Uh, there's a, th this place is a wilderness and it's already late. Send the crowds away so that they can get into the villages and buy food for themselves. It's late, Jesus. You've been, you've been a chatty Cathy for a long time, brother, but, you know, we, we got to get out of here. All right. And in uh, verse 15, when... Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, verse, where are we at? Verse 16, yeah, 16. Jesus says, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And in 17, it says, we don't have anything except for five loaves and two fish here. All right, so backstory is they stole lunch from a kid. You know, they, 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 they hung him up by his ankles and shook his lunch money and his, and his food away from him and, and got, this, got, this, uh, got this food from him, the loaves of, of, of bread and the fish and and, uh, and so that's, the, that's all they had. They had this, you know, essentially what would be, you know, a happy meal, a very small amount of food. And uh, this is all we have. And, and Jesus said in verse 18, bring them here to me. And he commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass and he took what was given to him, the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up to heaven and he blessed them. He broke the loaves and he gave them to disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Here's one thing that's really cool about this that I think. That, that here's Jesus, he turns this food into multiple amounts of food, that, that this, this miracle is happening, this Happy Meal, these, these you know, five or four chicken nuggets that you get in a Happy Meal turned into multiple chicken nuggets, and it was just flowing everywhere. Uh, the bread was flowing everywhere. And, and not to take credit for himself, right, of what he just did, he actually handed it to the disciples and said, okay, here, look, I'm gonna share in this. You're gonna be a part of this with us. Here's the mission. We're gonna feed these people. It's all about what, 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 what the power of who I am and what we're going to do here on this earth. There's something special that's happening here. You are gonna be a part of this with us. And so when you are here and you're a part of Anchor Church and you're a part of something special, it's the same principle that people are coming and they're coming to know Jesus and they're understanding who Jesus is. They're growing into a deeper relationship with Jesus. And you're in, if you're involved, if you're plugged in, if you're um, a part of the ministry, you're just like the disciples. You are, have been given and entrusted with a certain amount of, of, of something special to be able to be a part of something with somebody else. 
And that's, that's the character of who Jesus is. He says, here, you can take this and you're a part of this as well. It's not all on me. We're gonna, we're gonna do this. So he gave it to the disciples. You can imagine the disciples as they're handing this out. They're like, they're seeing people they know and they're like, oh man, look at this. Hey, look at you. You're, you're hanging out with Jesus. And he's, you know, they're like, yeah, no big deal. Here you go. You want some, you want some, uh, some fish? What's up? You know, you got, I got, there's more to come if you want. You know, like, it's kind of one of those things where like, it's almost like people are proud of you. You, you, you see what's happening in their life and you, you're excited about what's happening. So here's the disciples. They're passing this out and they're taking in some of the glory as well as far as what's, what's happening. Because you can imagine what was happening in front of them was astonishing. They had no idea that this was about to happen, and all of a sudden it was happening, and then they're taking in the excitement of what was happening in this miracle. And in verse, what are we at? Verse, verse 20. And everyone ate and was filled, and they picked up the 12 baskets full of leftover pieces. So not only did they feed everybody that was there, which was 5,000 men, it doesn't count the women and the children, so they expect that there was you know, double the amount of people that were there. It could be up to 10 or 12,000 people that were potentially there that were fed. Not only did that little meal produce enough to be able to feed all those people, there was, there was leftovers. All right, so, so that whole big thing just happened. You can imagine just, ima- like, if it's 12 to thousand people standing out there on the shoreline and they're, they're just all hanging out and eating all this food. There's a lot of people hanging out. It's crowded. There's, there's excitement that's happening. You can imagine there was a party going on because they were just excited to see what was happening. People were being fed. They were hungry. They'd been out there all day. It's probably some people that haven't ate all week, that sort of thing. And they were just, there was leftover. People, like, not only they just eat a little bit, but they probably ate as much as they possibly could and there was leftovers. So this amazing, miraculous thing just happened with all these people. There was excitement. You ever been a part of something? Like I can think about a football game where I was at. We went to a national championship football game when the, when the um, Florida Gators beat the uh, Ohio State Buckeyes, and it was in Arizona. We were at that game, and it was just exciting. There was a lot of people there. Uh, there was a lot of Gator fans there, and, and we were walking around. We were high-fiving people we don't know, and it was just exciting. And, and it was almost like when the game was over, Danelle and I, we were there, it was like, we didn't even know what to do with ourselves. We're like, well, where do we go? We're like, well, let's go find, let's see if there's somebody that's selling t-shirts or something. Like, we didn't know what to do. We didn't want to go to bed. We didn't want to go anywhere. We want to stay there and just bask in the awesomeness that was happening because we didn't expect to win. And here's the same scenario. They weren't expecting all this to happen. All these people are hanging out and people are getting, because we're better when we're together. All these people are hanging out, having a good time. And the disciples are like, let's, hey, let's just soak this in. This is awesome. Verse 22. Immediately, he made the disciples get in the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So before the crowds even left, Jesus is like, all right, guys, you gotta get out of here. They're like, no, 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 this is awesome, Jesus. Don't, let, don't make us leave. We don't wanna go yet. This is so cool. Look what's happening here. Look, all these people are excited. They got to see you turn the bread into like multiples, the fish, there's fish everywhere. There's the baskets full. Like, like we, wanna, we just wanna soak this in. Look what just happened. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Let's move on from this. Because personally, I would want to stay. I want to hang out. But Jesus is saying, listen, I've got bigger and better things to come. We need to move on. This is over. Let's, let's go to the next thing. So immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. This is the other side of the, of the lake. After dismissing the crowds, he went up to a mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. So you gotta imagine, Jesus sent these disciples on a mission to go to the other side. They're, with, they're, they're on that boat with themselves. Jesus goes off by himself to the mountaintop to go pray and spend some time by himself again. And he just was a part of this, this awesome thing. And, and, the, and the, the disciples are, you know, they're probably a little like, 
what's going on? Why do we have to go so early? You know, I don't want to leave. You know, that, that's, the, that's the type of mentality they probably have. They're hopping on this boat and they're going to the other side. And then about three in the morning, no, 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 verse 24, but the boat had already uh, been about a mile from land and battered by the waves. And, and I want to understand this. There's, there's not a storm here, but it, there's, there's some waves and they're being battered around. They're on this, on this lake by themselves and it's dark. I don't know if you've ever been on a lake or in, in a place like that on a boat when it's dark. I mean, it, the darkness of, of what they experience is probably darker than what we would experience just because there's no city lights. So they're on this, this lake by themselves. They probably don't know how far they are out into the lake. Uh, the waves are, are, are thrashing them around. All right? They're not in like a, a Hatteras you know, yacht. They're in a, a tiny little wooden boat. And they're, they're, um, they're just hanging out there. And about three in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea. He's walking on the water, right? Now, many of you, most of you, many, probably all of you have probably heard this story of Jesus walking on the water. So you gotta kind of picture this. A little while ago during worship, I, I spent just a second just to try to really picture what this actually looked like. If I'm a disciple sitting on the boat, getting thrown around, like probably like an oar, like a, like a, like a little rowboat, right? These waves are battering and sending me around, tossing me from side to side. I'm probably a little bit scared, can't see that well. We don't know if they have lanterns or not. They probably don't. They're in the middle of this pitch darkness. You ever go to a cave when they turn out the lights in a cave and they show you what total darkness is? There's a good chance that that's how dark it was. It was probably pretty dark. They didn't know where they were or how far they had left to go. Probably a little tired, discouraged because they just saw something awesome that happened and now all of a sudden they're not a part of that anymore and, and they don't know why they're in the middle of this lake. Jesus sent them out and the guy that was leading them and showing them around and telling them what to do and all this stuff is not there. And all of a sudden at three o'clock in the morning, which is not a fun hour, right? Nothing good happens after three, right? Jesus comes walking out to them onto the water. And when the disciples saw him, Right? You can imagine just an outline of, of, of him walking on this water and the waves are just running around. When the disciples walking on the sea, or when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. <laughs> what's, what's going on here? And they cried out in fear. And immediately, Jesus spoke to them. Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered to him, command me to come out to you on the water. Bold, right? And Jesus says, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. And when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. He got scared, he got nervous, whatever it was that he was going through, he saw the waves and he stepped out onto the water. Here's a man that was actually walking on water with Jesus. He was distracted by the strength of the wind and the waves around him. He became afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught a hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Jesus ceased the winds and he was in the boat. And those that were in the boat worshiped him and said, truly you are the son of God. And so forever I have shared this story. I think one of the very first devotionals that I ever did, I think probably eight years ago, I went to Kenya for the very first time and they asked me to lead a devotional to a bunch of people. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. You know, like I, I, I was so nervous. 
But I thought of this story, and I thought, okay, I, this is an easy story for me to go through. If you, if you want, and I've heard it before, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. If I'm going to have some faith, like Peter had faith to get out of the boat, he started to walk on water. He actually was bold enough to say, Jesus, call me out under the water. But I was recently reading something, and I was challenged with this thought, and I thought, maybe, you know what? Maybe this isn't the whole point of this story. The story is referenced a couple times in the New Testament. One of the other times is mentioned, in, and this is Matthew and Mark. And Mark does not even mention the fact that Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking on water. So if you were to look at this and think, okay, so what, what, what is actually happening here? This miracle just happened, and Jesus sent these guys out onto this boat in the middle of this lake, and he went up to the mountaintop. You got to picture this lake was surrounded by mountains, so, so Jesus, no matter where he was, he could look down potentially and see these guys out on this lake. If the moon was out, if there was some light, they, he could see where they were. Again, Jesus was the one that sent them out onto this lake to go to the other side, so it was his mission that sent them out there. So if anybody put these disciples into this position, it was Jesus. So this, this was part of his calling. He says, I want you to go to the other side. So hop into this boat and get. We don't want to go, Jesus. No, go. So Jesus goes and he prays. He spends some time up there. And at some point, maybe looks down, sees what's happening, knows that they may be afraid, knows what's about to happen, knows that the waves are out there. And so to do something even more miraculous than what he just did, he starts walking out onto this water about a mile away from shore. And you think about Jesus out there on this water. Again, the waves are all over the place. I think sometimes when I think about what this looks like, it's, you know, it's like glass. The lake is like glass, and here's Jesus just stepping his way across the water. That's not how it was. There was waves everywhere. So here he is. He's probably doing some high steps and walking up there and getting some things going and, and, and stepping over all the, the waves and getting out on the water. And, and here he is. And they see them, and they're afraid. They see Jesus, and they're afraid. It would be probably pretty terrifying, honestly. I mean, but here are these guys in the Old Testament. It's referenced many times that the wind and the waves obey his command. They, they, they can understand and they see some of this stuff. At this time, the disciples, they understand the Old Testament. They know what's happening. And something really is, is special is happening right here. When they're terrified and they think it's a ghost, Jesus says, have courage, it is I. Ego a me. Ego a me is what he calls out in the original language. And at this point, to hear that referenced, ego ami means it is I or I am. So if, you, if, if you're familiar with that phrase, I am, the great I am, I am that I am. When Moses was, was first encountered by God and he was told to go do something and, and Moses said, well, what, who am I supposed to tell them that I was just speaking to? God reveals to him and says, hey, 
Just tell him, I am. Tell him, I am that I am. The great I am. So this verbiage and this familiar language to them was being displayed and Jesus calls out to them and says, hey, have courage. Ego a me. I am. It's me. So what's happening here is this big transformation, this, this time that's happening where, 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 where the disciples in Matthew chapter 14 at this point, they didn't necessarily know Jesus as Messiah. They knew that he was a great teacher. He was a rabbi. He was doing some amazing things, but they didn't necessarily recognize him as Lord at this point. So here's Jesus. He's walking out on this water. He just fed all these people. He sent them on this mission to cruise to the other side of the lake. And Jesus is walking out onto this water. And Mark will even say that, hey, I was, I, that Jesus wasn't even intending to stop by to see the disciples. But here he is. He sees the disciples and he knows that they're, they're, they're terrified. And they think that Jesus is a ghost. And he says, don't worry. Hey, listen, have courage. I am, it is I, it's the one. He's having this big moment where he's almost revealing himself. It's this transformational moment where he's saying, it is I, I am walking among you in this moment. And if you were a, a, a disciple, or if you were one of these guys in the boat, you would understand, you would know a little bit more about the Old Testament, you would know a little bit about the way, you would know about different things that were happening, these, these guys that were trained in these things. If you were an old uh, a disciple at this time, you knew what was, what was being said. And so for, for, the, for Jesus to call out and say, it is I, I am, I am, ego a me, it was a click, it was a moment where a lot of these guys were like, oh my goodness, He's the one. This is the great I am. And it's just this big revealing situation where Jesus is walking on the water and this, this big thing is happening. Have courage. Don't be afraid. I am. And then we have Peter, who we talked about last week, right? Kind of think of him as a bumbling, just making his way familiar with me so here's Jesus you see his silhouette walking up they're terrified they think it's a ghost it's something weird's happening this guy's walking on the water they're scared he says listen don't be afraid it's me I am ego a me hearing his voice they would recognize that the rest of the disciples are thinking oh my goodness I can't believe what's happening right now this is this is like an aha moment and here comes our boy Peter, right? Well, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out onto the water. See, now before I would think, you know what, this is a, this is a faith thing. This is a, Peter's saying, hey, listen, I want to step out of faith and get out on the water with, with Jesus. But let's think about it like this for a second. Jesus just had this big transformational moment where he reveals himself. He just multiplied the food. Now he's walking on water. He's, he's fulfilling some things that, that, that is really starting to make sense to a lot of people. And then Peter very boldly is saying, hey, well, if it is you, command me to come out of the water. Well, don't you think that he's kind of putting Jesus in a box at this moment? Like, here's Jesus. He's walking on the water. He's you know, saying, this is me. Hey, check it out. And then Peter's like, hey, if it is you, why don't you call me out on the water? And it was like, all of a sudden, it was shifting gears into this moment where it was Jesus revealing this, this very 
dramatic moment for him. And then all of a sudden, it's all about Peter. And, and, and think about this for a moment, that, that Jesus asked these guys to get into this boat and, send, and, and go to the other side. This was his mission. He had called them to this. And they were being battered by the waves. So you can imagine it was a pretty terrifying experience out in the middle of this lake in the middle of the night. So the last thing that these guys probably wanted to be was out in this boat. So to see Jesus and say, well, if it's really you, why don't you send me out there? And Jesus was kind of put into a box where he's like, all right, listen, <laughs> all right, bro. You want to walk on this water, that, fine. Because really, what is Jesus supposed to say in this moment? Yeah, it really is me, but you know, <laughs> you, you got to stay in the boat. No, he says, yeah, it's me. One, fine, just, you can get out. But, but what's happening here is really, Peter's making this about him in this moment. And just think about this for a second. So in this moment, Peter makes this about him and says, Jesus, let me walk on the water with you. And Jesus says, fine, come on out. I think that we're, we're guilty of that as well, right? Like we, we want to make things about us sometimes. Like we, we, we think that, you know what, I know that you have called me. This is my mission, you have, my purpose. What you have asked me to do is to, to stay in this boat and go to the other side. But, but let, I want to I do my thing. Let me, let me step out real quick just with you, Jesus. Right, and in this moment, James and John were kind of, you know, fighting to, to sit at the right and the left hand side of the Father. Like when you get to, when you're when you reign in heaven, can we sit at your right and left? It's kind of like this battleground between the disciples in a way. Like like maybe this was Peter just kind of saying, "Hey, I I want to make this about me in this moment, and I want to be one of your favorites as well." I don't. I mean, I don't know, but. I have this thing written down here in my, my Bible right, right below this. In, in verse 28, it says, Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me, right? It's all about me, to come out with you onto the water. And I wrote down, it's hard to see him when all I can see is me. It's hard to see him when it's all about me, right? Here's Jesus in this moment. And then Peter wants to insert himself into this moment. And that's kind of, we're guilty of that same thing. It's hard to see him when all I can see is me. So when I think about a gift, we all have gifts and we all have talents and we can all do different things. But gifts can only get you so far. A calling is something that Jesus has given us in a purpose to say, hey, this is, this is what I want you. This is what I need you to do. This is what I have called you to be a part of. And they can be very, very different. I think sometimes we can get wrapped up in a gift and be co so consumed with the thought that it's all about me and, and the gift that I have and the talents that I have and, and what I can do and what I want to do because I'm gifted in this because I have a love for this, that this is where I need to be. 
But sometimes Jesus is calling us in a different route, in a different way, and it may be difficult. For the disciples to stay into the boat among the battered waves, that was a difficult thing. To go to the other side of the lake, that was a difficult thing. Sometimes he's calling us to be in a place and be in that place. Because what happens to Peter is he steps out of the boat and he begins to sink. And Jesus says, oh, you have little faith. Because there's a, there's a difference between faith and obedience. He had faith to step out onto the boat. And like Peter would say, hey, listen, bro, I got out of the water. Like these other guys, they didn't even get out of the water. They didn't even have it. But you know what? They were obedient to what he was calling them to do. I think sometimes we, we step out of the boat unintentionally because we're following something that we want. When God has called us to a mission, he's called us to a purpose, he's called us to something to pursue within our calling. It's a little bit different perspective in this story. And I love how Jesus responds, right? He, he's, he's, he says, why did you doubt? You have little faith, why did you doubt? He didn't ridicule him. He didn't say, how did that feel? You know, like, you think you're going to be like me and get out of the water? But he got into the boat, and those that were in the boat worshipped him. And they said, truly, you are the Son of God. Here's this moment where they're recognizing, real recognizes real, and they're saying, you are the Son of God. But that's, that's after all of this. It's this big moment. So in your life, have you, have you stepped out away from what God has called you to? Have you lost the focus? Have you lost the mission? Because I, I think sometimes, yeah, maybe we have faith to step out of the boat, but, but where's the obedience to stay with what God has called us to do? And so in your life, is there, is there an area or some place where, you know what, I need to zero back in what, with what God has called me to do? It's not gonna be about me. I don't need to insert myself into this scenario. I wanna let Jesus control my, my path. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.